Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. Hey, if you're new here with us um, and you don't know, we have our kids in worship for a reason. We believe it's super important for them to witness you in worship. And I can't describe to you just, man, how transformative it's been in my own family. So I just encourage you, just step in as weird as it is. Sometimes you're like, man, this is a new experience. Let it be a launching pad for you and your family. And I promise, like, it only gets better. So just continue to worship with your family. And I believe it'll be a great blessing for you. Hey, today, um, I, gotta, I gotta really special uh, treat. I believe God's doing some really, really unique things in the life of our church, and I'm so excited about it. Uh, Continue praying with me about what God's about to do at the beginning of the year. I believe it's going to be something to behold. I believe God is doing something really, really special. So continue praying with us. I know you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In my preparation for today, I was just asking God, hey, what do you want to do? Show me something. And I believe you showed me something just a little bit unique in this passage. I want to continue talking through Colossians 3 with you. We've been kind of going through that whole book together. So if you got your Bible, you can turn there. Um, But other than that, before we get into that, I want to invite my friend Clay up here. Clay, would you come up and join me, man? And I want to just do a little bit of interview. Y'all make Clay feel welcome here today. Come on, man. Clay, it is an honor. I feel like I haven't seen you in forever, man. It has been a while. There's your mic if you want it. Sorry. I'm going to shake your hand after this if that's cool. Good to see you, man. Thanks for being here. Um, so Clay is a very, very important person in our city. And uh, before we like jump in, would you guys join me in prayer today? Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. May meet you right where you are. Just right where you are. Just ask him to talk to you. Father, we just say um, this is your service. This is all about you. God, help that to become even more of a reality for us. Because, God, I want to believe that more. Father, would you speak through us today? And we offer you this time. Meet each person where they need to be met. I know you're going to. But, God, give us ears to hear how you're actually meeting us. Lord, sometimes I know it's so easy to enter this room, and i got a preconceived idea of how you're going to meet me. Not just the reality that you're going to meet me. But God, thank you that you love me and you do meet us and you continue to meet us. But help us to see how you're doing that today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Clay, tell us a little bit about yourself first off. Family? Yes. From Knoxville? Born and raised. Born and raised. Okay. Where'd you go to high school? Went to Farragut. Farragut. Okay. Play sports? Uh, No, not really. Did you do any extracurricular? Um, No. Then you, <laughs> you did extracurricular then, huh? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, I get it. Okay. My parents aren't here for that. But. Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, uh, tell me about your family. Yes. Uh, my wife's here tonight, uh, Tracy. Thank you for being here, my friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So uh, you go to Farragut. After Farragut, what happens? You go to school? Went to UT. UT. Yep. Man, yeah, come yeah. on, UT people. Let's go. Yep. Go Vols, everybody, yeah, except the basketball job. team. You guys are be- no, not bad, improving, right? Uh, so uh, after UT, graduate UT? Yep. 
Then what? Degree in criminal sociology. Criminal sociology. Yep. All right. And then had various sundry jobs after that. Uh, so I wanted to get in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, was kind of getting to the age where I better do it or, or not. Yeah. So at 29, I uh, applied at the Knox County Sheriff's Office, got hired, mm -hmm. and started there. Gotcha. Um, and uh, started there, worked in the jail, like okay. everybody does, started out in corrections. Yeah. Um, then went to the academy, police okay. academy in 2000. Um, then uh, after that, went to transportation, ran the paddy wagon, went to patrol for two and a half years. In Knoxville? All this is in Knoxville? Knox County, yeah. Okay. okay. And uh, then uh, went to uh, criminal warrants after that for 16 years. We just go look for people, arrest them, put them yeah. in jail. Um, some people who do that. I call it adult. Prices here, you know. I call it adult hide and go seek. I call it. So, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. Yeah. It's kind of a light-hearted way, right? <laughs> and then yeah. And then for ten years on that, I was with the U.S. Marshals Task Force. I was a task force officer with them. Pretty wow. much did the same thing with them. Yeah. In bigger areas, um, and then did that for sixteen years, and then got transferred to detectives. Wow. Um, I've been doing that for almost two years. Yeah. Uh, property crimes, um, burglaries, aggravated burglaries, Golly. vandalism, stuff like that. You know, I was thinking about this, but like in this season, like I don't get to talk to police officers too much, you know? What is it like being a police officer today? Well, when I started in 1998, it has changed drastically. Yeah. Um, but, and fortunately in Knoxville, we have a lot of support. Yeah. Uh, the general public. It tells us all the time they appreciate us. Oh, um, they they buy us lunch. They they'll do all kinds of things like that. That's awesome. um, I could give you, God, countless times I've had college students, kids say my uncle's a cop in New York. I want to buy your lunch. I mean, so people do oh, all yeah. that stuff, which we appreciate. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell me, help me understand the process of becoming a police officer. Like, so what happens? You go to school for that? Like, go to, you go through a schooling period, or you go to the academy? It's go to the uh, academy. Twelve weeks. Twelve weeks. Yep. And then what happens after 12 weeks? Uh, you graduate and then you, most of the time you go to patrol. Okay, so like when you graduate at that graduation ceremony, you make a promise? Take an oath. Take yeah. an oath. Yeah. What's in that oath? Uh, it's just you uh, take an oath to the constitution, to the Knox County, to the citizens, okay. and that you'll uphold the laws. And So you are sworn into something, you yes. promised in. Yep. Awesome. What's something that we should know about the life of a police officer? Um, well, you're never, I mean, even when you're off duty, you're not off duty. Mm -hmm. In our general orders, we have, you're always to carry your weapon. You're always to be on duty. Really? Whether in uniform or not. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, so when you tell people you're a police officer, it changes, right? Yes. We talked about this. We had the funniest conversation. We have so much in common because literally people are like, what do you do? And I've told many of y'all before, but like, I kind of like, I sink in my chair when people ask me what I do because I know it's about to get weird. You know what I mean? Like they either go like super hyper spiritual, like try to be hyper spiritual with me. And they're like, oh, you know, like we pray about everything, you know, like, yeah, you know, like it just gets kind of weird. Or there's like this other side that's like, oh, good. Okay. Well, Where's the door, you know? <laughs> Do you find the similar thing? Yep. Yeah, I have a good friend of mine who used to always introduce me. This is my buddy. He's a cop. 
<laughs> and you're like, I love that friend. Please don't do that. Let me let them know if I right. want them to know I'm a cop or not. Yeah. So I'm like, do you introduce your friend to my buddy's an accountant? No. Mm-hmm. So right. I'm like, but if you talk to him for a while and then you get into what each other do and you, I tell them I'm a cop, then you can see them change like, Oh, what have I said? Mm-hmm. What have I talked about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was I talking about drugs? Was I, you know, and you're like, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. I used to do them at Farragut. It's fine. It's like, no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's terrible. No, it's bad, y'all. Uh, um, so I'm thinking about, yeah, that's good. I appreciate that. Here's what. I think is so unique about being a police officer. When you're sworn into something, you can't really turn that off. No. It really does. Like when you say, I don't introduce you as the accountant because like if you're an accountant, you get to go home and turn that off, you know? (laughs) You get to go to sleep and you don't have to think about anything. You get to walk into Walmart on your days off and you're not accounting, but you're carrying. You're thinking about all the stuff you're thinking about never turns off. Because you are sworn in, you are promised into this place of identity in our society that says, here's what you're going to perform and do. It's a promise you made. And my friend, I, I thank you for, for the promise you've made. I bet things change, though, when you change officer uniform, right? Oh, yeah. Big yeah. change? Yeah. So people treat you normal, and when you put that, what happens when you walk into some place and you've got the whole outfit on? Well, if you go out to lunch or whatever, everybody's always listening to what you're talking about. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, you can tell they're eavesdropping on your conversations. Yeah. And so you kind of have to be careful of that. I get it. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, it's just yeah. like a big target almost. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you feel like. Feels like that. That's good. Yeah. How can we as a people be praying for you in this season? Um, just, uh, you know, if you see a cop, tell them you appreciate them. Yeah. Uh, thank them. Yeah. Um, we don't get tired of that. That's good. Um, even despite what the news media tells you. Yeah. Um, but we do have a lot of support here in Knox County. We're lucky. That's good. So. Well, good, man. Would you guys join me in praying for Clay today? Let's pray for him. Father, there's being prayers lifted all over this man and his family. We're just so thankful thankful, God. And Lord, I pray that you would um, guard his steps, keep him in step with you. There's so many temptations along the way to call you into another way of walking in this season, whether that be uh, through a cynical lens. But God, I pray that that gospel lens would be the lens that my friend Clay sees the world through and continues to see the world through. God, I pray for a fresh sense of your peace that would fall upon him in a fresh way. Everywhere he goes, Father, I pray that people get a a sense of you. God, that the love that he receives from you would be poured out everywhere he goes. Thank you for the stage that you've set for him to have a ministry everywhere he goes. Thank you for this brother as he gives his life. And thank you for his family, God, as they consider what it means to give your life. God, I pray over them and I pray peace of mind in this season knowing that you are the, the, the guardian over us. God, you are our protector. So God, we just thank you so much that you protect us and walk with us. We pray a blessing over this family in Jesus' name. Amen. Clay, thank you so much uh, for, for starting this interview off. And it's going to continue a little bit. But uh, thank you, man. And appreciate you being here, brother. Thank you. So it's not over. And I know some of you are like, that was so random. It's so weird. But... 
Just, just go with me. If you've got your scripture, I want to go to Colossians 3. And I want to talk a little bit about um, this title, that it's more than just a uniform. It's more than just a uniform is what I'm going to title this message. I want to read this passage to you, and I'm going to go a little slow because I think this is so important. The past few weeks, we've talked about what it's like to be raised with Christ. If you've missed the past couple weeks, I'm sorry, you can go check it out. But we talked about literally that there's like this idea of payback in our society. We choose one of two chairs. I choose to pay somebody back or um, I need to be paid back. These are the two options really in our society. But we're never meant to actually sit in these two seats. We were raised to walk a different kind of life, set free from either one of these. This is now what Paul talks about, what it looks like to be raised to walk. And I want to talk about what does it look like to be raised to walk with him. And it's more than a uniform. But let's, uh, let's go. Colossians one, or 3, verses 1 through 15. You got it? Y'all got it? Let's go. Okay, verse 1. If then, if this is your reality, that you have been raised with Christ, chapter 2 would help you understand that what it means to be raised with Christ is to be baptized into his death and raised out. So if you've been baptized into Jesus and raised, you've been raised to walk with him, okay? If you've been raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is, where he's seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Why does he say this to this people? This is very important. When you read the scripture, sometimes the background really helps us in understanding what is Paul really talking about? So during this time, there's two big teachings of the day. One is the Epicureans. And the Epicureans, what they believed was that you could go into all manner of revelry. What, that mean? what that means is go into every passion you could ever imagine and you will have an enlightened experience. Sound familiar? That's the teaching for today. So the Epicureans really formulated that like 200 BC. And so that's pervasive teaching during that day. The other side is Gnostic teaching. And the Gnostics said, if you control your body with great intensity, then you could have that enlightened experience. What Paul is saying is, all those things are focused on the world. Listen, you're, you're telling me that you can operate according to a worldly standard and get a heavenly result? Hold on. So you're telling me, just go into all my passion and I'm gonna get this enlightened beyond this world experience. Listen, like, what sense does it make? Now, I would agree with you, there is some spiritual power in both of those things. But I believe the heightened heavenly experience is found in the heightened heavenly one who's seated at the right hand of God. Some of you were looking for a heavenly experience with earthly means. I wanna tell you, you're not alone and you haven't been alone for centuries, y'all. Teachings today haven't changed. But Paul helps align the church in saying, hey, listen, be aware. It's not found here, it's found there. So set your minds not on what to do here because guess what? It's not here, it's there. 
Set your minds in a different place. Does that make sense? Let's continue. Four, here's where you have actually passed away. Your identity is gone. You have died, he says. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Then when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So listen, because this is true, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Now, he begins to define what these earthly things are that are in us. I think that's very, very important to understand as you read this passage. Put to death these, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, means to burn with a flame, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Listen, listen. He's telling a group of people who have been raised with Christ to put to death in them what? Sexual immorality? Covetousness? Which is idolatry? This is going on inside the church of Colossae. I would dare to say it's probably going on in the church of America, maybe in this room. But you know why, where I believe that this can help us? I believe some of us wear some of those things as an identity over our life. When you have been buried with Christ and you're raised to walk, what does he help us understand? Those things are not you. You say, I'm just a sex addict. I'm just an idolatrous person. He would say, hold up, hold up. You've passed away and you have a new identity. Why are you identifying with some things that are not your identity anymore? Those aren't who you are. Paul would say it a different way in Romans, I believe, where he says, man, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things I, I keep doing, I really can't stand. And so if I do those things, it's really the flesh that's still alive within me. It's sin. It's not me. But some of us are enslaved to these things because it's our identity. We just, we just claim that we can't get away from it. But I want to tell you that he's given you power to leave those things. It is not your identity to carry. In these, he says, you too once walked. When you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Put these away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and you've put on the new self. I think it's so important, guys. Listen, he names the things that we need to throw off. It's very hard to know what we need to throw off if it doesn't have a name. Paul helps identify for the church what we need to throw off. Do you need to throw off anything today? You who have been raised with Christ, what needs to come off? The word to come off literally is to take off a garment. You see, if you've been raised with Christ, he still doesn't identify it with you. He just he forms something like this. You just put grave clothes back on. Take those things off and put on a different thing. What are we going to put on? And then he starts naming what we're going to put on. 
Having put on the new self, put on that new self. This is who I am, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. I always go back to the very beginning. Are you struggling with this? Have you been raised with Christ? Have you been buried with Jesus? Go back to the beginning of your creation through, through faith in him. He created you to be something brand new. And you are. You can trust him. And have put on the new self, which is renewed in the knowledge of the image of the creator. Here, right here in this place, if you've been created brand new, there's not a Greek, there's not a Jew, there's not a circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is in all and he is all. He means there's no more identities. Everybody's trying to identify people. What's your pronoun? What's your, what's your identity? What's you gonna be? Are you rich? Are you poor? Are you black? Are you white? What's your identity? And he's saying, when you were buried with Christ and you're raised as a brand new creation, all those identities fall away because they are earthly. You're raised to a heavenly identity. Don't you know who you are? You're united with the king. But some of us receive earthly identities and they hold you back from carrying out your heavenly purpose. If you're raised with Christ, my friend, you have a heavenly purpose. Those things that you struggle with, they are not your identity. They're just clothes you put back on. You're invited to take them off and you're invited to put something else back on and experience all that God has for you. So here, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Do you remember when we talked about Colossians 1? That you stand before God, holy and blameless. Why? Because of what Christ has did and accomplished on the cross. You stand. You rise out of these chairs. And you stand before God, holy and blameless now. As you stand before him, holy and blameless. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, would you put on then compassionate kindness, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness? What does that word meekness mean? It's a weird word. We don't use that word. Listen to this. Meekness just means that I will not dominate, manipulate, or coerce my, my own ends. If I, even if I have the power or the ability to do it, I'm not gonna coerce anybody. I'm not gonna manipulate anybody. Even when I'm smarter than you, I ain't gonna do it because I'm out for your best interest. Anybody ever worked with somebody who's not out for somebody's best interest? We put on meekness and patience. And then we've also put on bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against somebody, we bear with them. The other word in the other translations is long-suffering. I really like that word, long-suffering. Long-suffering just means this. I will not become impatient or short and filled with resentment toward the weakness and sins of others. Anybody? Anybody feel heavy about that? If, listen, if this is a to-do list for you, then that will be a real burden 
But that's why I believe in this passage, Paul doesn't just say, hey guys, you know what I want you to do? Do this. You know what I don't want you to do? Don't do this. He doesn't do that. He paints a picture for us. And he says, you have an identity. And when you do those things that are contrary to the nature of God, you have just put on your old clothes. Take those things off. Don't you know you've been sworn in? Don't you know who you are? Can you imagine my friend Clay showing up on the job, dressed as a ballerina, strapped with guns? You know what I'm saying? Like, it just don't, it don't work, does it? It wouldn't work. It would be odd. And I know that this example is maybe a little bit different, but like, I think it paints the picture for us. My friend Clay's been sworn in. And when I see you walk in now with your uniform on, my perception's shifted a little bit. And you put that uniform on because you know who you are. But there's nothing worse than someone who hasn't been sworn in, but they try to invent that uniform, right? Clay, did you make your own uniform? No. Who gives you the uniform? County, the ones who've sworn you in, right? They provide that for you. Do you repair your uniform? You do not, right? You send it back if it's got holes or broken or whatever, and they send it back, right? Do you see the picture? Some of us need to put our uniform on. We've been sworn in, but ain't nobody know who you are. Can you imagine a room would shift if you put that uniform on? But you know what, listen to this, listen to this. Do you know what I love about this passage? Do you know what is not in the encouragements to put on? Savviness. Leadership. Boldness, you know? What is every word he tells you to put on focused around? Somebody else. Why? Don't miss it. It'll relieve the burden that maybe some of you feel. Be renewed in the knowledge of your creator. Oh. Powerful. Do you first see God like this as he sees you with a compassionate heart? 100% kind, bearing with you in every circumstance and situation, never giving up on you no matter what, forgiving you at every single turn. This is the king. And what you receive on the inside is manifesting on the outside. I invite you, friends, to receive from the king the clothes you so rightfully deserve, listen, the word is important, deserve to wear. You deserve to wear them because he has declared you holy and blameless. You deserve to wear those things through what Christ has accomplished and done for you. He doesn't stop with long suffering. He says, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so forgive. You must, he says, you must forgive. 
You must respond to forgiveness. I love what Spurgeon says about forgiveness because I think we all have an idea about what we think forgiveness really is. But Spurgeon says this, suppose that someone had grievously offended any one of you and that he asked for your forgiveness. Do you not think that you would probably say to him, well, yes, I forgive you, but I cannot forget it, right? Anybody in the room? I forgive you, but it's wise to remember because I'll be ready next time, right? You ain't gonna fool me twice. Sure not three times, because shame on me, right? Anybody come on now, right? Spurgeon says this. He says, ah, dear friends, that is the sort of forgiveness with one leg chopped off. It is a lame forgiveness, and it is not worth much. Because it isn't your creator's forgiveness. It says that he casts what you've done as far as the east is from the west. He casts it into a sea of forgetfulness. That means I remember it no more. That means tomorrow it's different. Yesterday, what? what? You're coming to me about stuff you came to me three days ago? Like, wait, what? We were finished. We're, we got a new day. Guess what? Put, put your clothes on. Let's go to work. You know what I'm saying? Can you receive the truth? Because it's almost too good to believe, right? Mm. I pray today that we can believe this because this scripture is hard to believe and I'm admitting it to you. Like, it's almost, it's too good. It's too strange. But Paul wants us to understand this is the good news for each one of us. Above all of these things, listen to above all of these, would you put on love because it binds everything together in perfect harmony? And would you let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts? What's got the loudest voice in your soul today? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And would y'all be thankful together? This is our calling together. I'm called to remind you of this goodness. And hey, listen, when you see me not thankful, it's your first warning sign that I need to be reminded of the clothes that I'm invited to wear. Thankful. Guys, we can be thankful today. There's every reason to be excited today about what God is doing. He's only going to continue. So, my friend Clay is now in his uniform. And here's what I observe about today. Thank you for being here, my brother. Thank you so much. Number one, the key of putting on and putting off, the first key is if you're going to put on the things that we're called to put on, you got to be sworn in. You got to be sworn in. You got to. There's no other way. And what is this swearing in process? What is this guaranteed promise? It's to not trust your own abilities, not try to invent and put on your own uniform and create it the way you think you want to create it because some of y'all want a pink uniform, you know what I'm saying? You can't have it your way. You gotta be put together in the image of your creator. Would you surrender 
the desire and the want to become creator because listen, you are not the creator, but the creator wants to create something in you that you could never do on your own. Would you surrender the rights of creating and would you receive create our creator's right? The second thing, the uniform that you put on has to be provided for you. If you heard this list and you said, man, I'm really gonna work on being patient. I'm really gonna work on being kind. I've heard this, so many of us. I've done it too. I really need to practice. Anybody need to practice love? Anybody ever practiced and gotten good at it? Come on now. Because I've been practicing for years and I'm, I'm still just as struggling. <laughs> right? Anybody just want to be done with anger? Name the thing you want to be done with. Take it off. I don't got to wear it anymore. It's not who I am. It's not what I want to walk in. What you want to walk in? This helps me understand if you want the power to actually put it on, here it is. If you're in the room and you're saying, man, Jay, like, I'm not that bad. I mean, a little anger, seriously? Like a little bit coveting what somebody has, like, ah, it's not that bad, right? Because listen, you know why it's not so bad? Because I have everything I need. Anybody with me? I get paid Every other week, come on Friday, pay day, let's do right? My bills are paid. I have all I need. I'm good. And listen, like, I get a little road rage, but it's no big deal. Like, come on. My bills are paid. I'm good. I want to tell you, like, sounds eerily familiar to a church at the end of the book, and the church at the end of the book, Laodicea, is like 20 miles away from Colossae. This letter is written to Colossae. So the people at that church are struggling with the same exact thing Colossae is dealing with. And you know what Jesus says to that church? He says, hey, listen, guys. Y'all all say you're good. Like, wrath. I mean, I'm a little bit angry every now and then. It's not a big deal. Like, let's just, I'll be back Sunday, man, Jay. Come on. Right? He says, listen, y'all say your bills are paid, but listen, like, you don't got any money. What are you talking about, Jay? Like, I got plenty of money. You see, they were only thinking about themselves. They were saying, I got all the money. I got all the, I got my home. I'm good. But remember what I said, the thing that we put back on has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with you. You see, they weren't even concerned about anybody else around them because I don't care as long as I got me, I got mine. So Jesus says, don't you realize you actually don't have any money that's going to last? Don't you realize the fine clothes that you're wearing, you're actually naked and you need actually clothes to put on? Don't you realize? Hey guys, in the list of things today, what, have, what clothes have you put on? Would you... Would you name those today? What did he name? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. Are you, are you living a sham? Are you lying? 
Is anybody tired of that life? Come on, I'm tired. Anybody tired of being sexually promiscuous and nobody knows? Anybody just tired of it? I don't, I don't, I don't want to live that life anymore. I want to tell you you don't have to. You don't have to. It can lose its power right now. And in fact, it has no power. And it's not your identity. If you've been raised with Christ, you've got power that you don't know yet. Come on. Jesus says, I counsel you. What does he say? To buy from me. Come to me. Come to me. And Jesus says, if you have no money, come to me and buy with no price. Come to me. So that you may be rich. You can be rich today. And white garments so that you can have clothes, you can clothe yourself. And the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And come to me and get solved for your, to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Does anybody feel like they're just lost and confused in this day? I believe you can come to Jesus and actually have freedom of sight. He'll give you sight to see. Those whom I love, I reprove and I discipline. So be zealous and turn and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And I know some of us are standing in this room, we're sitting here and I just feel this burn in my chest because man, I've, I've seen myself. I've seen what I've walked in. I know what I've put on. I stand at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. And if anybody would hear my voice and open the door, I would come into him and I will eat with him. And he with me, man, we're gonna dine together, share a meal. Would you open the door to the king? And would you let him come in to that room that's off limits today? where from that room manifests anger and wrath and malice and you deserve to not forgive because you were done wrong? And would you allow him to enter the door? Because here is what your creator did. Matthew 27, it says, and they stripped him off of his garments. And you know what garment they put on him? A garment of scarlet, a robe. And they pushed down upon his head a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and put a reed in his hand and kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, hail king of the Jews. Don't you see? He was stripped of his glory so that he could bear your brokenness. Isaiah 1 says this, come now, let's reason together, the Lord says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Don't you see those clothes that you keep picking up are the ones he bore at the cross? Those are death clothes. Take those off. Put on what he gave you, which is tender-hearted mercy. And he says, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. The only option you and I have today to be set free from the thing that we carry still is to come to him and bring it to Jesus. 
Do you struggle with wrath and anger? Take it to him today. But here's what has to happen. It has to be paid for. And it got placed on Jesus. Understand, put it on him. You have to, you have no option. And he says, bring it to me. And I want you to leave in return absolutely free. I want to meet you in your brokenness and I want to give you clothes made 100% white. You can't earn it. You can't, you can't work at it. You got to get it as a free gift. Come to Jesus and get the free gift. By faith, you receive these things and are set free. Today, would you bow your heads with me? In this room today, do you need to be set free? Who in this room? You would say, listen, Jay, I got that. I I understand what you're saying, and I've I've put on those clothes. If that's you today, and you're like, man, I want to be set free. Jesus, meet me right here. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I don't think you've got to, I don't think you even have to do that. Do you want to be set free? I believe he'll meet you right here. Come to Jesus. Tell Jesus what you're going to take to him. Anybody in this room say, man, like, I'm, like I appreciate what you said, Jay, but like I, I'm really struggling to let some things go, and I just need prayer today. Anybody in this room who said, man, I want to be set free today. I want Jesus to meet me right here. Anybody just struggling with some stuff? I can't let it go. Anybody? Come on, this is where to be set free. This is the hand, my brother. This is the hand. Would you guys join around him and pray? I'm going to pray for deliverance, freedom. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. Anybody else in this room say, man, like, I just need prayer today. I believe freedom and healing can happen. We as a church, if you would look as a church, at the end of that passage, it talks about us being thankful together. 
if, if no one else needs like healing prayer in this room, then here's what I want to invite. Would you, would you pray with me as a congregation, as a church body? That this reality would become more real for us, that I would actually manifest thankfulness in my being. Is anybody just, just not walking around thankful? But can you imagine a life where we're thankful in every second because this is the greatest truth and it's captivated our soul? I want more of that. I want more of that as a church. And this, honestly, you guys, like, it's, I just love coming here because I just love seeing you guys. It's just fun. But I want to continue to ask God to transform us into more and more the likeness of his image so that when people walk in and, and when we go out, like they just experience Jesus, like the true Jesus, not religion, not rules, Jesus. I just want Jesus, man. Would you pray that with me? Father, we just want that reality to be even more real. God, I want to believe it more. God, I pray for the one in this room who's carried around the identity of what somebody spoke over them. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a third grader. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But the truth that you speak over us and not only speak over us, but perform for us and accomplish for us. God, I pray that that truth would trump everything else in our life. And God, that you would bring healing in each one of our lives in the way that every single one of us needed in a different way. And Father, I wanna, just wanna take off my anger at times, my control over things. And God, I, I just personally just receive your forgiveness for that. That's not who I am. And thank you that you walk with us. Lord, make us a thankful people because we can't become thankful in of ourselves. We come to you. Give us thankfulness. Give us peace. Give us joy. Give us love in the season for others. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just stand today and we honor the King on the way out today? We just praise and thank Him for being who He is.